Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It is time to talk the greatest event that I was super lucky enough to go to two years ago in Miami. Oh, what a special time. Special time. It's that hallowed time of the year where many sports fans around Aotearoa head down to the pub, probably see Baz there for an early lunch, and don't come back. <laughs> you don't even need to understand what's going on. Watching the Super Bowl on a Monday is time honoured tradition for Kiwis in everywhere. SEN's commentary team will be covering it all live out of LA with former NFL punter Ben Graham sitting alongside alongside experienced broadcaster Gerard Waitley as they provide the play-by-play for what should be an unforgettable showdown. Ben joins us now to give us his inside scoop on a day he is well familiar with, having previously played in the Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals. And, oh, hey, how good is that? And he's on the line with us right now, Ben Graham. Good morning, Ben. It's morning over here. How are you, bud? (laughs) Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, I'm actually sitting here looking over the stadium as they're preparing the field. The buses are about to arrive. The ride in from the hotel was sensational. The memories from when I played in a big game 13 years ago have come flooding back. But I tell you what, when you've experienced it two years ago in Miami, LA has put on an absolute show this week. I arrived on Saturday. There were parties, the, the emotion and anticipation. There's not a better city in the world that can put on a a big show like this. But right now, it actually feels like a little calm before the storm. So uh, actually getting a little bit toey, a little bit nervous. But I understand what the players are going through right now. And uh, it is. It's just uh, a waiting game until the game kicks off in about five and a half hours. Oh, mate. It is the most unforgettable day out. The, you know, the boot parties outside leading into the game, mate. Tell us about the stadium, SoFi Stadium. Talk to us about this $5 billion stadium that the Super Bowl is at. Is it looking sharp, mate? Is, is it, is it going to be a blockbuster? Wow, I've never seen anything like it. The word I've been using is breathtaking. Now, I saw it for the first time mm. early in the week from the outside, and I was blown away. It doesn't actually look like 
a stadium from the outside. It looks like a piece of architecture that you could probably see from the moon. <laughs> like it is not mm. just a stadium. It's the entire precinct. And I mean, it's money well spent. It's state of the art. There's not a bad seat in the house. The activities, the activations, the size of the block of land that it sits on. Uh, it's it's a whole town in itself. They're building the LA Clippers new stadium just across the road. It's a real mecca, sporting mecca. But even though it's only a seventy thousand seat stadium, it's uh, it's going to be rocking in a few hours when the game mm. kicks off. Hey Ben, it's uh, it's Baz here, mate. Just talk to us a little bit about the game itself. These these two teams are they. Are they the two most deserving teams throughout the year that find themselves in the Super Bowl final? Well, it's a great question. And, and probably if I, a simple answer would be no. But obviously they've made the Super Bowl. So they do deserve this opportunity to play in the big game because of the form that they are in towards the back end of the season. So, But what we've got are two teams built completely differently. The LA Rams at the start of the year went all in Matt Stafford at quarterback, Von Miller from the Broncos, Odell Beckham Jr. mid-season, mm. Jalen Ramsey last year. They've gone free agency and traded players in. Where the Bengals, they went 2-14 and 14 two years ago. Number one draft pick overall, Joe Burrow, the quarterback. They drafted Jamar Chase, number five overall in last year's draft. Joe Mixon, their running backs through the draft. They've built their team through the draft. So you've got this young, confident team that have matured quickly. They've got a lot of swagger. And they've beat some really good football teams to get here. But the Rams, well, they, they are all in. And amazingly, Baz, for the first 54 Super Bowls, not a team played in their own stadium on Super Bowl day. Last year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm. did it for the first time in Tampa. And the Rams yeah. doing it again. And you remember, they hosted the NFC Championship last two weeks ago in the win over the 49ers. So it's, uh, the Rams are given the edge in this game. Uh, both because mm. of their mature status, experienced veterans and their approach to the season, but also it's in their home stadium. The Rams fans, they're everywhere. There's a few Bengals fans sprinkled in amongst them, but, yeah, it's amazing to think that it's the Rams, it'll be great to be here if the Rams can pull it off in their hometown, but if the Bengals do get up, it's just one of, it'll be the greatest fairy tale story that the NFL has produced, given where they've come from so quickly. Wow. Tell us, uh, that's great. I was going to ask you that question. What's the support like? And, and you've covered that. Being in LA, surely there's LA supporters everywhere, mate. Do, do you give, like, let's be honest, uh, I thought Kansas City would be playing the Super Bowl. Um, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, I just thought that would be too good. But, but the Cincinnati Bengals have proved me wrong. Can they go one more? Do you see that unfolding? Can Joe Burrows inspire this team two years into making in his NFL career <laughs> and get that dub? Well, you know what? It's a game of football. There are two teams, and there's going to be one winner. And we've seen upsets mm. galore, not only through this season, but through the playoffs. It has been the most exciting playoff series in my memory anyway. Yeah. It'll be a, a massive story for a young man, Smoking Joe. He's a winner. He's a great leader as a young man. He won the Heisman Trophy, a national championship in college. If he was to add a Super Bowl ring, and if the Cincinnati Bengals win, 
it's very often, most often, that the quarterback gets an MVP. If he's able to pick that award up, leading his team to a Super Bowl victory, this is going to be the start of a phenomenal career. Uh, but, look, it's a, it's a big ask for them. But you talk about LA and the Rams fans. I played in the league for eight years and never came to LA to play a game of football because they didn't have a team for so long. They've built this stadium. They've got the LA Chargers now up from San Diego. And they've got the, the LA Rams who came across from St. Louis about six years ago. But it's enough time for the LA people behind the Rams. And you can just feel it on the streets. It's just been building all week. And we're finally here. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, mate, tell, tell us about your memories from 08 in the Super Bowl. Can you, can you share some little insights and some stories and, and, and that moment, that build-up for you? Tell us about your, your time. Well, if I talk about 2008, I probably need to talk about how that entire year unfolded. So I started at the New yep. York Jets, and I was playing mm. good football, um, enjoying life in New York, I disappeared on Sesame Street and rang the Wall Street bell, and you know things were. I was on top of the world, and then I got I had a bad game, got cut after week two, resigned for week three and four, cut after week four, picked up by the New Orleans Saints, played a game for them in London, and they only signed me because I had a passport. Got cut by them, got picked <laughs> up by the Arizona Cardinals, played for them for four weeks before the playoffs. I couldn't believe it. I'm making the playoffs, playing for the Cardinals, and four weeks later, I'm playing in the Super Bowl. It was just an amazing year, a, a sign, sort of a, an understanding of how cutthroat the NFL can be. But in my position, there are only 32 yeah. jobs in the world. They're very hard to get, but yeah. even more hard to keep. But playing in the Super Bowl was a fantastic experience. The two weeks leading up to it, the first week you practice and work on the game plan in your home facility, but the second week you travel to the Super Bowl city, you try and minimise the distractions, but there are so many media day, there's tickets, there's you know, all sorts of things going on. They try and lock you down in the hotel. But when you're driving to the game, it becomes real. Those, mm. those anxieties, those, those, all the feelings that you have. But I guess what uh, builds that confidence is you know you've done the work and you're ready to execute when your number's called. And I mean, the day itself... I mean, we, we lost the game, but, but, you know, it wasn't about the result for me. It was about the journey, not only of 2008, but for my career to actually be the first Australian to play in the Super Bowl. It was just, uh, I lapped it up, soaked it up. I played well. Um, you know, even highlights off the field, halftime entertainment's a huge thing in the Super Bowl. I went out and had front row seats to the Bruce Springsteen concert at halftime, so <laughs> <laughs> attended a rock concert halfway through the game. But uh, it was a fantastic memories. But it's just great to be back, not only in the states, but back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, hey Ben, that's such oh. a that's such an awesome story, mate. We really appreciate you sharing that with us as well. You can hear the passion in your voice for the game as well, and and just the journey. What about now, mate? Now that you're uh, getting opportunity as to cover the Super Bowl from, from the commentary team, working alongside old Gerard Waitley, who's just a fantastic broadcaster and, and huge NFL fan as well. So how do you enjoy that? Well, this is uh, another first. Uh, we have been calling the games for SEN uh, on early on Monday mornings. We cover the games. We, we bring in the feed. We talk about them. We update the NFL fans. So 
you know, we've, I've been doing that now for four or five years. We've got our own TV show, uh, which covers the game. But I'm just, you know, from when I played, I knew that there was going to be an uptake in fans across Australia and New Zealand wanting to understand the game. Because my motivation is if you understand the game and appreciate why it's played and the rules and some of the players, you're going to fall in love with it. If you, do, if you just say it's two stop start and too long, well, and you don't understand it, well, you're going to turn off. But to engage those new sports fans, it's growing every year since I played in the Super Bowl. Now getting on the broadcasting side of it, you're just feeling like it's growing year after year. And they do such a great job. It's a spectacle. But, I mean, talking to Jared, he thinks the NFL is the perfect game for radio. It's a little bit like cricket. So it's not non-stop. So you have time to call the action, reflect on what's just happened, and then talk about what is about to happen. So there's moments and opportunities. So I'm going to learn from the great man. Uh, looking forward to it. And hopefully uh, we can continue to do this here on Year Out for uh, forevermore. So that's actually that's a great point. I was, as you were explaining that about you know the stop-start nature and, and if you don't understand the rules, then you know it can make it very difficult. It just all I keep thinking is that's cricket. That is cricket. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> the same thing. If you can actually explain the game, and then people start to fall in love with it, and they get the romance, and they see it more as a as a bit of a novel, right, rather than sort of reading a, a newspaper clip. And that's what Gerard's so good at as well. So I'm sure you guys are going to have a great time today. And and we'll certainly be listening as well because it's live from midday on SENZ as well on the SEN app. So. And listen to Ben and Gerard over there covering the Super Bowl. Well, before we let you go, Ben, who's your pick? Come on, put them out there. Let us know who yeah, you're backing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, oh, oh, that, no. this is well, like Jamie Richards, happens. just when we're about to get oh. the good oil. <laughs> Oh, we're just a big tease. This is like Valentine's Day. Just a big old tease. Uh. (laughs) I'm stoked stoked that Danielle's getting better, but... um... (laughs) Ben, you there? Ben, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I think um, the the LA Rams, uh, Baz... (laughs) Wow. He's not American, mate. he's Australian. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. I can't do an Australian accent, mate. <laughs> hey, go, mate. Nah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, he's in America. Oh, okay. But yeah. allegedly, as well, Bez, alleged, allegedly, apparently, uh, Larry Fitzgerald Good is doing thing. the commentary with, um, with um, Ben Graham and Gerard Waitley. He is the ex-Arizona Cardinals wide receiver. He's a Hall of Famer and... Ben Graham would have played with them in no aid in that in that Super Bowl final. So, um, yeah, apparently he's there as well, Larry, the great Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, that's, cool. that, that's a great story, Ben was just saying. Eh? Just what about the different rabbit holes and opportunities, like the sliding door moments that your career can just go down? Eh? And he had them all mm. within a short space of time, and it eventuated <laughs> him standing there and being involved in the Super Bowl. It's quite fascinating. But we'll try and get we'll try and get Ben's pick for for the result of the Super Bowl today because I think, you know, there'll be a few punters out there looking for a little bit of a steer into something and we couldn't do it on Friday for you with the with the horses so we might be able to do it today for with the Super Bowl and we'll get your pick as well. Is Who are you backing, mate? Mm. I want... S- 
I think LA Rams will be too good at home. I think LA Rams will be too good, but I'll be happy if Joe Burrows gets the gets the dub. But I think LA LA will be too good. Louis, I'm um, I'm actually on the Bengals bandwagon, and uh, this is a bit bit controversial because when Metaverse Mitch was here, I was saying that Josh Allen's uh, I'd rather have Josh Allen for the next ten years at quarterback than uh, Joey Burrow, and now he's giving me crap, but I still believe that. But I think that this is Joe Burrow's time, so a little bit contradictory, but I'm with the Bengals, and we've actually got a fifty dollar TAB voucher for the for a bit of a comp we can run, boys. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the comp? Closest score. Closest to the score. I mean, there's so many. You kind of don't really realise, but people in New Zealand love their Super Bowl, love or love their NFL. So, why don't you try tip us the score and closest too? We can hook you out with a voucher. Mm. All right. Oh, beautiful. Double eight, double three. Let us know. Or give us a call on the Kennard's High phone line. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. And let us know your thoughts on the Super Bowl as well. Before we get off to a break, we'd better ask Joe. Because Joe's our NFL correspondent as well. Who are you backing in the Super Bowl, Joe? Well, I mean, logically, you should go with the Rams. The Bengals are one of the weakest teams in recent memory to go to the Super Bowl. But I just have to back Joey B. He's just so calm under pressure. He can take a hit. I think he'll be on the ground a lot. The Rams' defense is incredibly strong. But I think he's just got something special about him. And I think Stafford's going to throw a lot of picks on the other end. And I think they're going to win. Thanks, Joey B. (laughs) (laughs) That's Joey B Straight Farm the Kitchen (laughs) Here in the morning on Baz and Izzy for breakfast We'll be back on the other side with A little bit more Super Bowl A little bit more NFL down as they turn for home, and behind these then is Royal Performer Coventina Bay threading her way through stylishly at the 250. It's Vernon Me, the leader, Coventina Bay, the chosen one, Tiptronic, and behind them, Lana Court, it's still Vernon Me and Sam Weatherly in front, coming after it, Coventina Bay, the chosen one on the outside, Vernon Me, Coventina Bay ranged up, she put her bib in front, it's Coventina Bay, and the Herbie Dyke goes to New Plymouth, and Robbie Patterson and Coventina Bay won it, second over Robert Patterson's always said this mirror is pretty special and he was bang on as the knacky. They got another group one. Robbie's on the line with us now. Good morning, mate. Yeah, good day, gentlemen. How you doing? Oh, excellent, mate. What a thrill, eh? What a thrill the weekend was. Oh, it was a great buzz, all right, mate. Uh, my, my liver doesn't think it was that great but uh, today, <laughs> but uh, nah. Oh, yeah, hey, to get get my first group one of my own with a special meal like that, uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Your first group one on your own, mate. That must just feel so rewarding. And, and to do it with Coventina Bay, who's always been a horse, uh, a mare, which we've, everyone's talked about a lot, right? And she put it all together on the day and it was a pretty good ride from, from Grillsy as well. He just seems to click with her, eh? Yeah, oh, he's just a champion bloke and uh, he's just a great rider. He clicks with all horses, I think. Um, I'm just so, so lucky to have everyone like Sam with Aussie and uh, and I managed, managed to pick up grills, you know. We're, we're just bloody lucky lucky it landed like that. Oh, Robbie. Robbie, great to have you on the show, mate. Congratulations. Well, I can hear the croak in your voice. Tell us how'd you celebrate, mate. Yeah, how'd you celebrate <laughs> throughout the entire night, mate? Talk us through it. Must be a wonderful feeling. Oh, yes, yeah. We... Uh, the owners organised a thing at 4.30 used to have at one of our local pubs so and it was a shit day it was blowing a gale we, we can't wait to 4.30 so some of us close mates went to another pub at 1 o'clock and uh, time 4.30 come around uh, we were shaking and rolling I'll give you the tip 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful, mate. Beautiful. It would have been a fantastic uh, evening watching Coventina Bay do get the rewards in the end, mate. Did you? When did you really consider that that she would be a, a two thousand meter horse? Um, Sam Collard always said she'd get two thousand meters just the way she relaxes uh, so well in her races, and mm. <clears throat> it was just a matter of. Um, yeah, been a sham express. You know, you always got that doubt because he's a sprinting stallion, but she's out of a high shap mare, um, which uh, gives a bit of confidence. And um, she's just so genuine, you know, and she doesn't spend any energy. Uh, we, I thought you could get it, but you, you don't know until they actually do it, do you? Mm. Mm. No, no, that's fantastic. right. That's right, mate. So what, 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 what's the plan with her now, Robbie? Will you give her a little let up or will you just keep her ticking yeah. over and target something? I'll, I'll keep it ticking over because she's um, really matured now and she she does does really well. So there's the bone crusher in a month's time at Ellerslie um, and then I think it's uh, about a month to the Terra Breeders and then uh, might be a couple of weeks to the Doombin Cup. That, that's a pie in the sky uh, going back to Aussie at the moment. But um, if she still keeps kicking goals, uh, I'd love to go back there and uh, try and shove it up the Aussies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, did, you, did you make mention? Did you make mention of that on Saturday as well? That just sort of painted that she might she might be going back to Aussie. Did I hear that yeah. in your after match? Yeah, yeah. I've always had that Doom and Cup. I just watching it. I was over there last year, and like Zaki won by six lengths, and um, but the rest of them, they're sort of the horses that have um, had a fair bit of racing, you know. And um, I thought, Jesus. Well, with a girl like that, um, I thought next year, I thought, geez, we could run money in a race like that. It's worth $2 million, you know, so even running third and mm. getting a bit of Aussie black tight would be great, you know. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, spot on. Well, it seems like a pretty good uh, campaign. You go through the Tiara Breeders off to the Doom and Cup. Anyway, mate, what um, what about your rest of your stable? You got, a, you got another champion there, another Group 1 winner in the wings? Oh, yes, I've got a filly, uh, Mia. She, I've only had her for two starts called Contribute. She won first up at Taranaki, and then she went to Trentham in a real slow run race, and she come home amazing, run third. And um, I think when Coventina Bay's done her stuff, I think this girl take over the mantle in, uh, in my stable. Um, so just keep an eye out for her. She's had a bit of a lead-up, but she'll be racing in another month's time, but I think she's a real beauty. She'll be one worth having a punt on. Yes, Robbie, mate. I think I've had a wee dabble on Contribute, actually. I think I might have backed her in that last race. So hopefully the next start, yeah. mate, she's going to get the gravy. Are you going to get anything at the cracker sales, mate? Are you going to buy any more any more good horses oh, coming up? I've never really, because I haven't had the biggest profile, it, you know, it's hard to get people to get orders and whatnot. Um, but uh, I might go and poke my nose around there and um, get a tyre kicker and hopefully someone uh, says I've got a horse for you, you know. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> you got a profile now, mate. You've just been on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast talking about Kevin Cena Bay, mate. So you're up and about. You're a group one will it? winner now, bro. Oh, mate, Come I'm, on. I'm made, for, I'm made for life now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. Oh, very good. Well, we're going to have to let you go in a, in a sec, mate. But um, we just, yeah, we're delighted for you. Coventina Bay, so she's been such an awesome horse and... And obviously your passion for the game as well. We're pleased that you celebrated accordingly, and and uh, yeah, we hope that she she continues to deliver heaps of success for you as well, mate. So thanks heaps for joining us on the show. No thanks, guys. Cheers, hey, I uh, just uh, like to say, really appreciate your show, guys. I listen all the time. It's great fun. Oh, awesome, Champion. Robbie. <laughs> 
Oh, good man. Tire kicking up at the sales. That's not a bad idea. Get out there, have a couple of beers, walk around, check out a couple of horses. Everyone's going to know that Robbie Patterson is a Group 1 trainer. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, the majestic truck turns up at the gate. And you go, okay, welcome. And, <laughs> and you just keep welcoming him in, into the stable. Next thing you know, you're as big as Tiakia. That's how it works. <laughs> anyway, it's 7.52 here <laughs> in the morning on Baz Izzy for breakfast. That was Robbie, Robbie Patterson, absolute champion bloke and trainer of Group 1 winner. Her, Herbie Dyke winner, Coventina Bay. Plenty more in store for her as well, I'm sure, in this campaign. And hopefully a little tilt at some black type over in Australia as well. $2 million for the Doom and Cup. That sounds pretty good. We've got heaps more to come back with here on the other side, including later on in the next hour, a little bit of UFC chat. Izzy will be all over that one. We'll be back very soon. My McMac McCafe coffee just delivered to me, so thank you to McCafe for delivering my coffee. Gets me through this last hour, and right now it's time for our Monday morning McCafe coffee catch-up because we spoke about it all week last week as well. Israel Adesanya has, in the blink of an eye, become one of the most dominant fighters on the UFC roster, and yesterday at 271, he showed the gap he has on the field by calmly and tactically picking his biggest rival, Robert Whitaker, apart. It was an excellent card. I don't know if yeah, it was. It was a lot closer. It was a lot closer than the scoreline predicted. Two judges were pretty close, and then one went lent towards uh, Izzy Arasanya. It was an excellent card with a lot of rising stars showing their stuff before Izzy's clinic. Kevin Aoli is Yahoo Sports combat columnist, and he's with us now. Morning, Kevin. Hopefully I pronounced your last name right, mate. You did, yeah. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, thank you for joining us, mate. Um, tell us, what, what was your take from UFC 271? Obviously, not, not just the main card, obviously the undercard as well. You Pretty successful card in the end? Yeah, I thought it was a sensational card. I mean, uh, you know, there were very mm. few fights where you went, eh. You know, they were all exciting. Uh, you know, the opening fight of the night uh, uh, w- was really amazing. Uh, there were so many good fights uh, on that show. Uh, uh, Douglas Silva, uh, De- DeAndre, uh, DeAndre, his comeback, uh, fight, that, that set the tone early on. I mean, you know, he had a massive cut by his eye. He was almost knocked out in the first mm-hmm. round. And he comes out in the second round and scores an amazing knockout. And it really went on from there. And, I mean, the, you know, fight after fight after fight, uh, you know, the co-main event, uh, Ty Tuivasa and uh, Derek Lewis, you know, everybody knew that was going to be a crazy fight. And it, and it was and a very fun uh, a fun one. Uh, but I, I thought the show delivered. And, of course, you know, I felt like uh, Izzy is now uh, proving not only to be the, you know, clearly he's the best middleweight in the world. And I think Robert Whitaker is the second best. And mm. I think Robert Whitaker is yeah. also the, the third best middleweight of all time. And yet Izzy has got two wins mm. over him. I mean, you really have to give Adesanya credit for what he's been able to do. Yeah, quickly, just before we, we touch on Izzy's fight, can we talk about Tai Tuivasa? I, I love that, that matchup. But for me, what was the case with Derek Lewis? I know they've got a good relationship and they've got a good friendship. It just seemed like both were a bit, a bit shy and, and were a bit, a bit scared to really start erupting, uh, particularly in that first round, especially when they were in the clinch. You could see them kind of just not wanting to throw punches. And then obviously in the second round, um, Tai Tuivasa got the elbow and knocked out Derek Lewis. But your take, was that what kind of you predicted in that fight? Or were you expecting a bit more fireworks? 
Well, I, I thought there were a lot of fireworks. I mean, if you look, if you watch the mm. finish over again, I mean, you'll see um, oh, yeah. it, it was pretty wild. I mean, they were both going at it. And then, you know, Tui Vasa, everybody talks about the elbow. What they forget is, you know, he landed a crunching left hook. Then he comes back with a right yeah. hand. And, and it was genius then to follow that up with that elbow. I mean, and it lands right on the chin. And Derek Lewis goes and does a <laughs> face plant face first onto the canvas. Um, never expected that. But I think, you know, what you saw in the, in the first part of the fight was respect. I mean, you know, Derek Lewis mm. knew, hey, Tui Vasa could knock me out. Tui Vasa knew Derek Lewis could knock him out. And they, they had a look for their opening. They couldn't just go, you know, close their eyes and start swinging. And then they had a fight within their game plans, and they both did that. And, you know, I think Tui Vasa, you know, he's going to cause problems for a lot of guys. He's not going to beat, you know, yeah. I don't think he's going to be the Cyril Gone necessarily the former interim champion because of the movement and the athleticism. But guys that are going to stand in front of him and, you know, feel like they're going to test his power – He's going to win most of those battles. <laughs> hey, Kevin, it's, uh, it's Baz here, mate. Just uh, just going on to Izzy again. Um, you've written a column about his greatness. Do you think he is now becoming a great of the UFC? I do. You know, I mean, if you look and compare what uh, he's done to Anderson Silva, you know, I mean, Anderson Silva had the longer run in uh, 10 uh, title defenses uh, in his reign uh, after he won the championship. And Izzy is at five right now. But, I mean, you know, Izzy has a win over Anderson Silva. He has two wins over Robert Whitaker, two wins over Marvin Vittori. And I think, you know, Izzy is very close. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, we'll uh, – become the greatest middleweight in UFC history. I think right now the three best are Anderson Silva, Izzy, and Robert Whitaker. Um, and, you know, Izzy has three wins over those two guys. I mean, and you can't uh, – I mean, I think the middleweights in the UFC now are better than they have ever been. And given that, you know, Adesanya is dominating the division. He's undefeated uh, at middleweight. His only loss is at light heavyweight. I really think the guy is something special. And, you know, he, he's still relatively mm. young, uh, 32 years old. He's got a lot of time to go, a lot of fights. So there's a lot that he can still do. And there's nobody outside of Whitaker that I think really gives him any problems. So, you know, he, he is going to uh, set a standard that I think uh, may even surpass the great Anderson Silva. There was a lot of question marks uh, about Aziz, particularly after Dylan Blasiewicz, um uh, fight back in the day when Jan just took him to the ground and grounded and pounded him, got him to the ground. Have you have you seen? I, I particularly saw it with Robert Whitaker yesterday trying to get him to the ground. Do you think Izzy has overcome that? And, and you saw yesterday his takedown defense was outstanding, and, and his ability to get to his right. feet straight away and work on that. He knows that. He knows that now. Uh, fighters are going to come in. They're going to try and take him to the ground. Do you think he, if he goes to the ground and, and fighters get that get him to the ground, has he got? enough tools in his in his arsenal to, to be able to work out of that and, and get to his feet. And do you do you think fighters I think, I think he's showing that yeah. over the next couple of weeks? Mm. Yeah, I mean, he knows everybody's going to do that. And I think when yeah. you look at what he's doing, um, you know, last night is a great example. I mean, Whitaker uh, is a wrestler, has a, a terrific uh, grappling background. And, and Whitaker really, you know, he, he took him down four times. But Adesanya was mm. up on his feet within five seconds on almost every one of those. 
And, you know, um, I, I think, you know, the big difference with the uh, Blahovich fight was size and strength. You know, I mean, there's a 20-pound weight gap in there. Blahovich had been a heavyweight before, too. And I think, you know, he took mm. Izzy down, and he was able to hold him down. Um, but nobody's been able to do that at middleweight. And I think that, you know, you saw last night against a guy who would be an all-timer if uh, – and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think Robert Whitaker is a UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and he could not keep uh, Adesanya on the ground. I think if he had been able to keep him down, he would have had a better chance of winning. I know he believes he won the fight, but I think if he had uh, been able to keep him down on the ground, his, his chances would have been enhanced. But Adesanya popped right back up every time. Mm, so, so what do you think next for, for Izzy? Like he's pretty much taken out everyone in his division. So, so what's the next key fight for him going forward, do you, do you picture? Well, I think he's going to fight uh, Jared Cannonier, who on the undercard knocked out yeah. uh, Derek wow. Brunson in a pretty brutal fashion. <laughs> I think that's the fight that you're going to see. And you know what? The biggest issue yeah. that Izzy has right now is going to be mentally. You know, is he going to be bored in the, some of these fights? Because, you know, he's like you say, he's beaten everybody. You know, he hasn't fought Cannonier. Mm. He hasn't fought Sean Strickland, uh, who is a guy on the rise. Um, but I don't think either of those guys are in his class. You know, I think they're both good fighters. Um, and, you know, and you can always win, even if you're not in this class, if you land that one big punch at the right time, right? But I think that Adesanya is so aware. You know, Whitaker used to, made a comment last night, which I thought was interesting. He said he has very good eyes. And what he meant by that is he can see what's coming, and, you know, he's quick enough to get out of the way of it if he sees it coming. And I think Adesanya, mm. you know, unless he just totally um, has a brain cramp, is going to dominate all these guys. And I think the real challenge for him is when he goes back eventually to light heavyweight. But as far as middleweight is going, I think that this is his division and he's, he's going to rule for almost nearly as long as he wants to. Wow. That was Jared Cannonier. Wow. If that's a fight from, from yesterday's card, that will be fireworks because he absolutely annihilated Brunson. Whoa. That was a, that was a big, big fight. Um, Okay, going forward, just quickly, before we let you go, um, we just want to talk to you about Carlos Olberg. We love talking about our own, pumping up our own. We spoke to Carlos last, last week, uh, heading into his fight. Um, he won his fight. Does he have a bright future in the UFC? You know, when he came into the UFC, uh, there was a lot of hype around him that he was going to be uh, mm. a big factor. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've been disappointed in what I've seen in Carlos. You know, even yesterday, mm. um, you know, his opponent, uh, Fabio Charon, uh, was not, you know, did not fight a very good fight, was not very aggressive. And, you know, it was a fight where you, you think Carlos could have looked really good in the fight. And I, and I kind of was a little bit disappointed. You know, when you win in the yeah. UFC, it's the best mixed martial artist in the world. Uh, so, you know, hey, got to give him credit for that. He beat, you know, a UFC fighter, which is something. But I did not see anything out of Carlos uh, in this one or in his previous UFC fights that would say to me, you know, hey, this guy is a championship timber. I think he's a he's a good member of the field, good member of the pack, but I don't see him as being an, um, a star anytime soon. Oh, awesome. I love your honesty. Love your honesty. We love celebrating our own, and we got one last night with Izzy Arasanya taking out Robert Whitaker in, in uh, rematch number two. So looking forward to that Jared Cunanier fight coming up in the in the future, mate. We really appreciate your time, Kevin Aoli, out of the United States, coming on the Bears and Izzy for breakfast show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Be well.
There he is, Kevin Oli, talking about that fight. Uh, wow, he's got oh, big, big raps on Israel Adesanya and put on an absolute performance. For me, Baz, I'm just quickly before we get off, um, I kind of predicted that match because Robert Whitaker wasn't going to stand up and try and bang, is he? Because you just saw how good he is with his kick, his punch, his counter-punching is just second to none. That is his strengths. His ability, his only way he was going to get the win, and that's what he did um, yesterday, was taking Izzy to the ground, and he took him down to the ground four times, but then Kevin spoke about it, Izzy's ability to get back off the ground, get on his feet, work out of the clinch, and get back into the standing fight position, that got him in the win in the end. Um, I think Robert Whitaker had a game plan, you listened to his post-match, he said, look, the biggest thing I was happy about is I had a game plan, I went out there and I executed it. So that was his game plan, he went out there, executed, wasn't quite enough in the end, because Izzy was just too good in the end and, and got those significant strikes towards Robert Whitaker and just got the win, uh, win in the end. So that was Kevin Aoli, uh, the United States Yahoo columnist, and uh, we really, really appreciate his time. What was your take on Izzy Arasanya's fight or the undercard? Bam, bam, tied to Ivasa when he knocked out Derek uh, Lewis with a well, brutal elbow. And then Carlos Olberg, were you satisfied with that win? Were you a bit underwhelmed, like Kevin has said? Had big, big raps on him coming into the UFC. Probably hasn't gone to the heights that was asked of him. Get, let us know, double eight, double three, or keep those Super Bowl, Super Bowl predictions coming through on the text line. Loving it. Ben Giles to win 25 to 14. That is from Peter. Rams winning 28 14. That is from Brendan. And then we've got the Ben Giles to win 24 17 from Craig. Keep those texts coming through, and you could win $50 bonus bet. Courtesy of the TAB. How good. Coming back up, we're going to talk a bit more about the Super Bowl Bears. You're listening to Bears and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Right now, Louis is going to join me because Bears is off. He's hopefully tucked into bed having a wee break. It's time for our Monday morning health check with New Zest, powering the next generation of New Zealand athletes. This morning, we're going to catch up with Aroni Leilua who is a gun sailor who represented Samoa at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Aroni is on the line with us now. Good morning, Aroni. Morning, morning. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing very well, mate. It's been a busy show. There's lots happening in the sporting world, particularly over the weekend, racing, sporting, and it's all happening today as well with the Super Bowl, mate. But tell us about your summer. How's your summer been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um been a little bit on hold on and off with um, obviously the different um, frameworks we've been working through with the COVID situation but um, mm. it's been good it's been especially coming out of um, Tokyo last year um, just getting back into the season and, and with a new look a new outlook after um, competing at that level um, no, I've really enjoyed it Awesome mate, tell us about your sailing career and, and your opportunity last year at Tokyo to be able to represent your home nation of Samoa and particularly in the, in the the Olympics uh, for sailing, and uh, how was that? How was that experience for you, mate? Oh, awesome! Yeah, re- really awesome. Um, leading up to the games, oh, if we wind back a bit, I, was, I learned how to sail in Samoa, and I had always dreamed about um, representing Samoa at the biggest um, on the biggest stage of the Olympics. And um, after qualifying, it was all it was all exciting and stuff. And then we got hit by the first wave of COVID. Everything looked like mm. um, it wasn't going to happen, uh, and then we had a postponement, which pushed it out a year, uh, which actually benefited me because it allowed me for extra time to train and fundraise um, and whatnot. And then when it finally came around, um, it was pretty surreal. 
um, I had to kind of pinch myself when I landed in Tokyo that it was actually happening and um, yeah the dream was coming true Awesome, mate. Like, like from the outside looking, we probably don't understand sailing. You probably think sailing and Samoa probably something that probably doesn't solidify uh, the Pacific nations. But when you dig deeper into it, mate, and, and go back to the early, early days, I mean hundreds of years ago, the Pacific Island people were one, probably the first to circumnavigate the, our, our globe, the country. Mate. Is it quite a big sport yeah. in Pacific Islands, um, sailing and, and a lot of people getting involved in, in the sailing world? Yeah, well, surprisingly not. Like, and, and you're absolutely right that you know, way back our ancestors and stuff, that was the main mm. main way of travel. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, with sailing nowadays and um, and competing, uh, it's quite an expensive sport, um, and it yeah. seems to be a, a massive barrier for a lot of people to um, to, to give it a go, let alone um, um, pursue it as a as a sport and, and compete. Um, so yeah, it's unfortunate that um, that it's like that because there's a lot um, of history that the islands have with sailing, and there's a lot of potential. I mean, you know, um, Pacific Islanders in general are quite um, gifted in terms of um, hand-eye coordination, and, and you know, they're quite athletic. Yeah. So to to have sailing um, kind of not be an option due to finances is um, yeah, it's a little bit sad. But um, the goal is to try and increase that participation within the islands and. Um, it all starts from getting funding from governments and um, mm. organisations that are willing to kind of help drive the sport. Nice, bro. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I think it just it's a natural fit. If you get a lot of the uh, Pacific Islands, very strong, can can read the winds, understanding on the oceans, yeah. it, it just makes sense for me, mate. Um, what about you? Yeah. What about yeah. you and, and your sailing career? What What are your goals going for? What do you want to achieve in 2022? Uh, so I've got a few competitions lined up um, overseas um, with the biggest one being uh, the world champs in Mexico um, nice. so we'll head over there in uh, May um, and, and just trying to better my last result but get more um, more familiar with the, the biggest fleet and racing with um, the top in the world I'm pretty blessed to, to be training out in New Zealand and um, training alongside the, the Kiwi team and the Kiwi boys who are um, you know right up there in the top of the world so um, that is very handy for, for, for me. But um, the biggest goal of all is just trying to um, work my way towards um, qualifying for the 2023 Paris Games. Beautiful. Uh, 24, Beautiful, sorry, 24 we'll Paris watching. Games. Tw- yeah. 24 yeah. Paris Games. 24. Mate, we'll, yeah. be watching that. we'll be watching that with, with interest um, now that we, we've had a wee conversation on the Bears and Izzy for breakfast. Mate, talk to us about New Zest. New Zest, how have they helped you fuel your way uh, to be able to be the athlete and get you to that next stage in your life. Have New Zest been very, very supportive of you? Supportive of you? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've been using New Zest um, for for a long, long time, um, and then um, a scholarship came up uh, last year. I think it was start of last year, which I had applied for and um, was successful with. And um, it just it just freed up some more finances for me to put back into um, uh, into my sailing campaign and stuff but um yeah the, the the product they put out is um is awesome um i've never looked back ever since i've moved over and um they keep coming out with some new new and improved stuff which is which is great and um yeah they've been fully supportive of everything everything i've done and um are always accommodating with anything i need so yeah i couldn't recommend them highly enough awesome 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 well that is ronnie lelua he is a sailor he represented samoa at the 2020 tokyo olympics we'll be watching your progress with interest and like you said, mate, without New Zest and sponsors, 
you wouldn't be able to do the things you've uh, you're doing today. So I really appreciate your time today, yeah, exactly. Ronnie. No, cool. Thanks for having me. Awesome. There he is, Ironi Lelua. Um, thanks to Newsies for helping Ironi. We have an Olympians prize pack to give away right now, which is stacked with everything that fueled Ironi. Just text your name and Newsies right now to double eight double three Newsies. A new approach to feeling great, not just a boost for today, but nutrition to for life. So well done, and thanks to Newsies for supporting our athletes to help them achieve. On the big stage, without them that support, um, Louis, they wouldn't be able to do it. It's not just Musis, particularly Musashi. Yeah, last week with Carlos Olberg. Um, honestly, these sponsors and, and their money and their their time, their product that they're um, providing these athletes goes a really, really long way. So, uh, well done to Newsist. Awesome.